would definitely not put cats on a short list of things God has done for us. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, right? Even God. And, uh, oh, ouch. Yeah. So, um, uh, today we're going to finish uh, the last message on uh, the series that we've been doing called Financial Freedom. And I'll try because the lighting deal, I'll make sure I don't ignore you guys over here. But um, uh, today I just want to start by saying thank you. Uh, so many of you have sent emails and notes and phone calls uh, and thanking me for this series on financial freedom. Uh, in fact, I got one email from a man uh, just recently that said, my wife and I made a decision that we were going to uh, put God first in our finances. And ever since we've tried doing that, um, everything has changed. Now, I, I can't guarantee you those kind of results, but I can guarantee you this. If you do finances God's way, he says, I'm going to open up my door to you. Of all the things that I have in this world, it includes that short list that you just saw there. God said, I want to give you everything and I want you to experience everything. And if you do things my way, if you do things God's way, you prioritize God's way. He says, I promise you that I will open my arms and my doors that you can't even contain them. So today we're going to look at some scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, that talk about uh, this idea of financial freedom. And today we're going to develop a plan. Say, well, does the Bible have a plan about finances? Yes, it does. And it's very simple. And uh, by the end of the message, you will have a good feeling for what God's plan is for your life. So let's review the three laws of physical balance uh, that we relate to financial balance. The first law of physical balance is having a proper reference point. Uh, you have to have something that you are focused on when you're balancing on a tightrope or something else. And so we need a proper focus point and a proper reference point. And we discovered from Scripture that the proper reference point in our finances is knowing where our money is. We've got to know where our money is going. You know, I've got to be knowing where my money's going. We've talked about that. So we have to know where our money's going in order to know how to deal with it properly. So that's the proper reference point. Where is your money going? Uh, point number two, or uh, a physical law of physical balance number two, constant corrections. If you're on that tightrope and you've got that balancing bar, you're constantly correcting so that you maintain your balance. And we looked, both Brandon and I looked at ways that we can have constant corrections. One was in the area of debt. Brandon talked about the area of generosity. And last week we talked about the area of spending, to rethink our spending. And then the third law of physical balance that relates to finances is having a clear objective. If you're on a tightrope that crosses the Niagara Falls and you're on the New York side, your focus your clear objective is Ontario, Canada. And if you're coming from there, your clear objective is New York. So uh, we need to have that clear objective. And we discovered from that incredible passage in First Chronicles 29 that the clear objective that we're to have in our finances, indeed in all of our life, is simply to honor God. We honor God in our earning. We honor God in our spending. We honor God in our saving. And we honor God in our giving. So the, the focus point, the clear objective that all of us has in our finances, in fact, indeed in all of our lives, is to honor God. Now the key word for today, if you fall asleep after this, you remember the key word. The key word today is this. Reprioritize. 
Reprioritize. I want to share with you from Scripture a simple plan for your personal finances. We'll look at both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we will find a plan, a different way of thinking. And this message kind of bookends the other five messages that we've done on financial freedom and gives you that simple plan that will help you walk in light and in God's goodness. So here's what we want to talk about today. How do we spend our money? Now, as I, as I thought about this question, uh, to me, it was obvious that there are five categories where we spend our money. Now, there's some subsets and subgroups of all of that, but stay with me for a moment. There are five things we can do with our money. The first thing is we can spend it. Okay? And we'll put that right up there. We can spend it. Uh, now, we're all pretty good at that. Okay? I'm pretty good at that. My wife's pretty good at that. We're all pretty good at that. So, And that's probably the number one thing that we do with our money is we spend it. Number two, we repay debt. Number three, we pay taxes. Okay, if you don't pay taxes, the black SUV will pull up in your driveway, Jim, and, you know, that's not good. So you've got to pay taxes. Uh, the fourth thing we do with our money is, if we have any left over, is we save it. And then the fifth thing we do with our money is we give it away. We give it to others or we give it to God. So basically, these are the five areas that we spend our money on. And for most Americans, and I would guess most of us here today, this is not only a list of the things we spend our money on, it's our priority. I, I think most of us would agree that this is our priority. And that is that we, we spend, first of all, the majority of our money on us. The second thing we do is we pay for things that we couldn't afford. That's debt, right? The third thing is we pay for our taxes. The fourth thing is if we have some left over, we save it. And then the fifth thing, if we have anything left over from saving, and a lot of people don't, uh, we give it away, we give it to people in need, the, our local church, uh, missions, uh, things like that. So these are the five things we do with our money. And essentially, it's also the priority in which we spend our money. So let me look at this list again, and we'll leave this up here for a moment. And uh, I want to look at this list again, only I want to just kind of give a, a different twist on it, okay? So here's the list, the way it is now. Number one, me. Okay? Number two, me. <laughs> Number three, we, or the government, and all of us, okay? Number four, me. And number five, God and others. Okay, so now that, that may seem a little bit harsh to you, but the reality is, if you look at your finances, that's pretty much it. And for some of us, those last two don't even exist, right? It's only three things. But uh, I think most of us would agree that uh, this is the list that we kind of live our lives on. Me. Me. We. Me. And God, if there's anything left over. So, so the problem with this and this is for not only Christians like most of us, but if, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a, a God, Bible, Jesus, church kind of person, but you're here today, this is going to be practical for you as well. This is going to be just as valuable, I believe, to you uh, as uh, this message as, as Christians. And um, so, so the way that we approach this is if I don't spend it all and if I don't owe it all and if the government doesn't take it all, and if I don't save it all for myself later, 
If then there's anything left over, anything at all left over, I'll give that to God and others. And so we're saying basically to God, God, here's what I have for you. And usually what that is, is our leftovers. Now, in spite of the fact that most of us, I prioritize our money this way. Me, me, we, me, God. And in spite of the fact that that's how we prioritize our money, when it comes to, we have no hesitation whatsoever. Right? I, I think you would agree. None of us have any hesitation whatsoever to go to God in prayer and when we get in trouble and say, God, help me. Uh, help me. Uh, we, we just have no hesitation whatsoever. In spite of our priorities, there's no hesitation. So, God, I, I need to pay this bill. Uh, God, I need to sell this house. Uh, God, I need a new job. I need more money. I need help with college fund for my kids. It's, it's God, help me, help me, help me, help me, please. And, and that we've all been there. We all do that. And, and, and that, and then, and then God says, um, help, help, help me with what? And basically we're saying, God, I need you to please do something. I need you to help me to take care of me. <laughs> God, help me take care of me. Me, me. And if there's any left over, I'll throw you a bone, but, but help me to take care of me. Uh, so, so here's what we're saying. God is not involved in our finances because we've left him out. And, and yet we still ask for help. We say, God, please help me. Now, I, I don't know what, what God's thinking, so this, I'm just guessing here. <laughs> uh, but, but I would think that God would say something like this. Why should I help you? I mean, because you pretty much shut me out of your finances. Oh, oh you, inc- you include me in devotions or prayer, go to church. I mean, you include me in some of those areas. And I appreciate that. I love you because I love you. But when it comes to money, uh, you've always kind of done it on your own. You've never really asked me for help unless you're in, in a jam. So, so why would you, would you ask me now? You've pretty much shut me out of your finances. And, God would say, I mean, am I supposed to be like an emergency fund? Uh, do you see me as being stingy? Am I an ATM? I mean, God says, you know what? You've kept me out of your finances and now all of a sudden you're saying, help me? Help me? So, so here's kind of the sermon sentence I want you to uh, take home today. And then we're going to back this up with scripture. Here, here's what I'd like to say. The way you prioritize your personal finances either represents an open door to your Heavenly Father or a closed door. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, your spiritual life in terms of your eternity. If you're a child of God, you that's been subtle. You're going to go to heaven and for all eternity be with God. And that's great. But we're talking about right now. If you, The way you prioritize your personal finances, and this sermon sentence comes right out of Scripture, either it represents either an open door to your Heavenly Father, or closer, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we read this. We must change the way we prioritize our money. And that's the key word for today, prioritize. The way we prioritize uh, our money represents, and God in the in Scriptures, He's not so concerned about how much money we have or kind of... Um, you know, that we have a good management system. He, he doesn't care so much about that. What he does care about is the priority. Because he knows that this thing in our back pocket, mine's not like George Costanza, it's not very fat, 
because uh, Sherry doesn't let me have too many credit cards. But uh, so, so it's never. But we know that this thing is connected to our hearts. We know it. So do you. You can deny it all you want. But if you want to know what you really believe in, look at your check checking account. Look at your visa statement. Look at your IRA if you have one. Look at your savings. If you really want to know what you believe. So what God is saying is that all along you've kind of told me that I should stay out of your business. And now you're asking me to come in because God is concerned about opening the door of his blessings, pressing into you, granting you great things, not just financially, but granting you great things in your life if you open up the door. And God says, this system that you have now, this me, me, we, me, God system, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It never has worked. And it's not working now. So God says, I want you to understand and believe that there's a different way of doing this. And so we pray to God. God, boy, I need your help. I need a better job. I need savings for college. I, I'm going to close this deal so that I have some money. Uh, I, need, I, I need a new lease on a car. I, I desperately need your help. I, I need your vo- involvement. But God, even as I'm praying this way, God, help me. Please help me. Even as I'm praying this way, God, I want you to understand something. That no matter what you hear my words say, and no matter how fervent my prayer is, uh, Heavenly Father, even as I'm praying this, you need to know, God, and understand this one simple, clear fact. You're number five. Now, for me, that takes my breath away. Because there have been times in my life that's exactly how I live my life. Me, me, we, me, God, if there's anything left. And God says, and that's the way you're prioritizing your life, and then your prayers are passionate and real, and yet you're still reminding me that God, even though I'm in a jam and I need your help, I need you to be an ATM or a genie, you need to understand and know and believe that I love you very much, but you're still number five. When it comes to my money, you're still number five. Now, that being the case, I want to draw your attention to two passages of Scripture, one from the Old, one from the New Testament, and I want to argue the point the best way I can, that if you will begin to reprioritize the way you manage your money and that you will make a, a new list instead of the me, me, we, me, God list, uh, God says that will be an invitation, an open door to do something. Please, please hear this. First of all, you need to know, I'm, I, and you know this, I'm not a health and wealth guy. The health and wealth preachers make me sick to my stomach because it's not the gospel. It's not true. If you're a good boy and girl, that doesn't mean you're going to be healthy and wealthy. It doesn't mean that. Okay? So clear that out of your mind. But there's something in Scripture that says if we do things God's way, if we show our heart by showing our wallets, that it's an invitation to an open door for God to do something unusual and powerful in your life, not only in the area of finances, but in every area of your life. God says, I want to be invited in. I want to do something powerful in your life. Maybe about finances, maybe about something else. But I want to do it. But it doesn't work, this old standard list of me, me, we, me, God. It doesn't work. Something's got to change. I've had several of you share testimonies with me about how that you're Saving more and you're spending less and you're becoming more generous and, 
And before you couldn't afford it, but now you're finding that God is opening up new doors and God is in in different and unusual ways pressing into your life in ways that is blessing. And and basically what you're telling me is this. God has intervened in my life. Well, here's what's happened. As you have opened the door, opened your heart to God, he has rushed in to minister to you, to bless you, to serve you, to grace you. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about living in this life today. When you open this door, and God knows that the door to your heart is through your wallet. When you open this door and you open your heart, things happen. God says, I want to rush in and bless you. So we're going to read a passage from Malachi. Um, The prophet here, this is fascinating, 400 years before Christ is when Malachi wrote this. The prophet is speaking against Israel and its leaders. And it's a really, if you read it, it's a really funny passage, chapter 3 of Malachi. We're going to read just a couple of verses today. But um, God says, you're not bringing your best to me. Now, God had a plan, and his plan always was for men and women to show their love and devotion to God by how they treat others and how they take care of the temple, those kinds of things. So God said, you're not giving me your best. Basically, God was saying to the Israelites something like this. Um, you, you're, you're giving me... Now, part of the thing they were supposed to give is right gold and silver. But what else did they give besides gold and silver? Sheep, right, livestock, those kind of things. Okay, so, so here is God saying, now you're not giving me your best. So some of the Israelites, what they were doing is they were giving, finding their scrawniest sheep. I mean, the sheep that the dogs would, you know, carry around, you know. And the sheep that had blood on their back because they tried to get out of the barbed wire and the scrawny, sickly. And they were bringing those to the temple and saying, okay, this is my sacrifice to the Lord God. You know how much I love you by giving you this pathetic sheep, you know, and, and then laying it on the altar. And, 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 it, and it was it was ridiculous. And God said, that's not good. That's not your best. I want your best. I don't want your scrawniest. I, I want your best. And so God, God says, I don't want your leftovers. So, so listen, here's, here's what he says in verses 7 and 8 of Malachi 3. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how, how do we rob you? And God responds in tithes and offerings. Now, there's a, there's a cause and effect thing here. Uh, God is saying that I want you to open up the doors of your life. And, and that includes finances, because he knows how important that is to us. I want you to open up the doors of your life. And God says, if you do that, I want to, in some physical, tangible, relational way, I want to rush into you. And I want to bless you and I want to give you life and I want to give you all of these things. And, and I just I want to give you direction and passion and joy. And, and I'm waiting to do that. But first, show me your heart. Show me your heart. Don't just say I love you. Show me your heart. And so he's saying, so, so what you've done, and this is his point, is you, you've robbed me. And he said, well, what do you mean we've robbed you? And he's talking about the heart again and the priorities, Right. How did we rob you, God? I mean, how, how did we do that? Well, in, in uh, the, the Old Testament, there was an outline of how they were supposed to give to God's work. 
And part of it was 10% called a tithe. And 10% was to be given to the Lord's work. In this case, in the old, in the, um, wilderness, it was the tabernacle. They had to pay for that. And when they settled in Jerusalem, the temple. And, uh, so I, you need to give 10% of your money to take care of the temple. Pay for the, uh, sacrificial system. Make, pay for the custodial work. Make sure it gets a new coat of paint every once in a while, some new gold guild, whatever they did. And, and, and make sure that, that the, the priests are taken care of because they no, have no other job. You've got to take care of the priests, make sure they're fed and clothed. And So that's 10% of your money. That's to take care of the Lord's work in the church, okay? And, so, and then the, the Israelites were expected to give what they, what they called a double tithe. Now, most of you start going like this when you just mentioned tithe. You know, double tithe, and you go, ah, what can I do with that? Well, here's what the Israelites had to do. A double tithe, the first tithe went to the temple, the priests, all that. The second tithe went for a combination of uh, taking care of the poor and building up for kind of a, a national treasury, building up money to have a big feast, a big party at the end of the year. That's pretty cool. Save all this money. Some of this goes to feed the poor. But the other is to save up for a big party to celebrate what God has done. Big festival at the end of the year. Now, for two years consecutively, that's what that money would be used for. Partially for the poor and then for this national celebration. On the third year, that extra 10% was given only to the poor. Okay, so, so every year it was 20%. 10% of the temple... Two years, 10% to poor and the festival. And then on the third year, the other 10% to the poor. And God is saying, you've been robbing me. You've been cheating the poor. You've been robbing me. You've been bringing me your scrawny sheep. It's just not working. It's not right. I want more from you. I want to see your heart. You are robbing me. And then we read Malachi 3, 9 and 10. Listen to these words. You are under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will have enough. You will not have room enough for it. God is saying to Israel, do it my way. I want to see your heart. I want to see your priority. Now, God had made a deal with Moses a thousand years before. And the deal was the Mosaic Covenant. And the deal was this. Moses, if you do things my way, he had a similar covenant with Abraham. But uh, Moses, I've got a deal for you. If you will honor me and love me and make these sacrifices to me, which are always pointing to Jesus, right? If you will be obedient to me, love me, and do all the things that I ask you to do, then this covenant, this Mosaic covenant, this promise, this deal that God made with the Israelites, he said, if you do that, I'll give you fat sheep, fat babies, and victory over your enemies. That's a pretty good deal. Okay, We have some really nice fat babies in our nursery, and they're always the healthiest, you know, and they're really cute and cuddly. And, and God said, if you do it my way, if you... Press into me. If you move towards me, if you don't rob me anymore, if you come towards me, I'll give you fat babies, a fat sheep, and you'll have victory over your enemies. And, and God said, and then we'll, we'll have that deal. So that's what he's talking about here. He's basically saying, make me first and see what I will do. Prioritize me first. Let me know your heart. 
when I know your heart, then I will move in your direction. I will move on your behalf. It's not about giving to God. It's about getting something from God. He says, I want to give you blessing and peace. And you can't do that if you do the me, me, we, me, God. You can't do it. Now, now Jesus said the same thing. Remember, God says, I want to move into you on your behalf. That's what I want to do. Now, and then we see the same thing in the New Testament. 400 years after Malachi, one of the disciples by the name of Matthew wrote these words. Matthew 6, 24. And uh, we'll put this up on the screen, but it's not in your sermon notes, but uh, here's what it says. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Notice, just remember the word priority when you hear these words. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God says, I know you. I know how attached you get to this thing. He said, you can't serve both God and money. If I want to know what you're in love with, God says, then I'll look at your bank account. If you want to know what Sherry and I love and believe in and are committed to, you look at our checking account. You look at our savings. You look at our visa statement. You look at all of those things. If you want to know what we believe in, don't listen to my words, but you look. And that's what God is saying. I'm tired of your words. I'm trying to be saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, but me, me, we, me. And then if there's anything left over, God. He said, it just doesn't work. God says, I want to bless you. I want to come on strong on your behalf. I want to move into your life strongly in ways that you don't even understand. They may not even be financial, but I want to move into your ways. So strong. If you will open that door, I want to bless you. But God says, here's the deal. How can I move into you in a powerful way if you remain and sit back and you say, okay, God, I want that, but you're still number five. You're still number five. What an insult that is to God. God, you're number five, but please help me. God says, I, 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 I want to move in your direction. But in order to do that, I'm asking you to take the first step. I mean, Jesus took the first step overall, right? He died on the cross for our sins. Is there any more you than that? There was nothing me about Jesus going to the cross. There was only you. There was only love. There was only grace given to his creation. But, but me? God says, I want you to make your heart the priority. I want, I want to open a door to you. I, I, I want to minister to you in a very powerful way. God wants to move in our direction in a very sincere, powerful way. He wants to move into our lives. And God has called us to say, okay, Lord, no longer am I going to do the me, me, we, me, God thing. I, I want to open my life and my heart to your spirit. Matthew 6.31, we read these words. Because this, this really, this verse is the reason why we don't. We believe that we are in charge of making ourselves happy. We believe that we're in charge of making ourselves financially free. That's what we believe. And this verse says something completely different. Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Matthew 6.31. I mean, I mean, if you could rewrite that verse and, and you could say, what shall me eat? <laughs> what shall me wear? <laughs> it's, it's even it's still all about me, right? Not understanding that God has promised, if you do this thing the right way, 
If you reprioritize your life and it's no longer me, me, we, me, God, if you do things the right way and you open up the doors to God's blessing and he moves in a powerful way, a powerful direction towards you, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat and wear because God said, I already told you I'm going to take care of that. I'll give you fat sheep. I'll give you fat babies. I'll give you victory over you. I've already told you that. But you're not doing it my way. And then in, in Matthew 6.33, we read these words. But seek first. Now remember, we're thinking about priority. Keep that in mind. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He said, if you put me first, if you reprioritize everything, if you make me number one, he said, I'll make sure you've got, you're eating and living indoors. I'll make sure of that. I'll make sure that you got food and you got clothes. I'm not against that. I'm not against a good education. I'm not against a nice car. I'm not against any of that. But if you put me first, you will open the doors. And God said, I will move powerfully in your direction, in your life. So here's what God is saying through both Malachi the prophet and Matthew the disciple. Here's what God is wanting to say to Hope Covenant Church. Here's what God is wanting to say to us through this message. Here's what God is saying will change your life. Okay, everything that we've said, it's all about doing one thing, and it's this. Flip your list. Flip the list. Turn it upside down. Throw the door open, and God says, I will provide that stuff anyway that you're all worried about. I'll provide that stuff. Flip the list. Let's, let's do a new list. Reprioritize. Here's the new list that God wants us to have. Just flip it. Number one, give. Number two, save. Number three, the government. There's still number three. Number four, debt. Number five, live on the rest. Now, some of you are saying, oh, how can I live on 60% of what I make? Because all that other stuff takes up 40%. I'll tell you how. If your boss came in to you today and said, I'm cutting your salary, and you have no other options, I'm cutting your salary, and you're going to live on 60% of what you make, it would be hard, but guess what? You would do it. You would find a way. We have to reprioritize. We have to flip the list. Now, here's something. How many of you are glad to be an American? Okay, good. 90% of us. That's pretty good. Uh, uh, yeah, so, so we're glad to be Americans. Here's, here's something that's really neat. And the government has no idea how that they're doing a nice thing for you, but they are. So if you do things God's way, if you do one and two the right way, guess what happens to three and four? It goes down. You do things God's way, the government says, you know what? Don't give me as much money this year. Because you've given money away to the church and to some missionaries. I don't want as much money. That's what the government would say to you. But instead, if we stick to the me, me, we, me, God thing, the government says more, more, more. The government says, I, I don't want to be number three anymore. I want to be number two. You know. But if you do it God's way, isn't it great to be an American? To live in this country that's so great? If we lower our debt and if we uh, do the, the, the giving, saving thing first, the government says, I want less money from you. Isn't that amazing? That God says, if you do it my way, even the government and Visa will call you less often. That's pretty amazing to me. So uh, let's make the list even simpler. Something that you can remember. Something you can take home. Here's the list. Here's the list that God wants you to change from me, me, we, me, and God. And to this. Number one, give. Number two, save. Number three, live. Say it with me. Give. Save. Live. Okay. Now say it so that the men at the retreat can hear you. 
Give, save, and lift. That is God's priority. If you do it that way, everything changes. Your stress will go away. Peace will return. The doors will be opened up to you. God will drive in with His presence and joy and purpose because He knows that you are saying no longer, this is my God, but now, Lord Jesus, you are my God. And I'm only show you what that looks like. No more scrawny sheep. No more scrawny sheep. And God has said, I promise you, God says, I promise you. And in fact, he says, I, I double dog dare you. Or maybe in this context, I double sheep dare you. I don't know. Uh, or double camel dare you. But I, I promise you, if you do it my way, I will come into your life and I will change everything. Now, we've had people and we've given this we've given this um, um, promise before. If you are wondering about, man, I don't know if I can start giving to God and my, everything's tight and it's hard. And I, and I know that. I, I know that. But if you start flipping the list and you start doing it God's way, maybe you start modestly giving, tithing 1% or 5% or something. But if you start, you know what you're going to do? You're going to start opening up that door to God. And He promises you. He promises you that He will pour out His blessings upon you. Like you can't even hold them in, He promises. And that's the promise we make as a church. If you're thinking about, maybe for the first time, tithing or giving to the church, here's our promise. If you do that, and God doesn't bless you, and God doesn't up those doors of blessings to you, at the end of the month or at the end of two months, you call me up on the phone, or you call Michelle Pollard, our financial secretary, and say, you know what? This tithing thing doesn't work. And we'll refund your money. We'll give it back to you. Now, the reason I can make that promise is because God made the promise, not me. God said, this is what I'm going to do. And every time we do that, God is saying, if you will just do this one simple thing, flip the list. Put me first. Give save, and then live on the rest. I know it may be hard to live on 50% or 60% or 70% of your income, but you can do it. It'll change your lifestyle, absolutely. It'll change your lifestyle, but hear this. It'll change your life. It will change your life. Give, save, and live on the rest. This is how you throw open the door of God's blessings on your life. The key to financial freedom and the key to financial peace is simply this. Flip your list. Make God your priority. Now, to make this happen, now, some of you, your eyes will glaze over. I know how this works. I, it, just for a moment, I want to talk about percentage giving. And some of you are saying, oh, man, even in ninth grade, I couldn't do percentages. I still can't. Well, okay, think of this number. How much of your income, what percentage uh, do you spend? How much do you live on? What percentage of your income? Some of you are going, are going well, duh, 100%. You know, I get $100, I spend $100. Well, that's not very healthy, as you know. But, and some of you might be saying, well, do you know what percentage I live on of my income? 120%. Isn't that cool? I mean, I could teach a seminar. Actually, no, you can't, because that means you're in a lot of debt, right? But think about the percentage. What percentage of your income do you live on? Now, the reason I ask you to think that way is because if you don't Decide what percentage of income you're going to live on. In Sherry and I's case, it's 70%. We live on 70% of our income. If you don't decide what percentage of your income you're going to live on, somebody else will. Visa will help determine what percentage of your income you live on. The government, oh, they're good at this. They'll come in and tell you what percentage. If you don't decide what percentage of your income you're going to live on, somebody else 
will. Flip your list. Now, there is a beautiful story in the Bible that I want to share with you as we close this morning. Um, some of you, those of you that have been around the Bible and God know this story, the widow with two mites. If you haven't been around church, God, Bible thing, uh, this is a, a great story. Maybe it's the first time you've heard it. But this is a story from the Bible that illustrates what we've been talking about, the idea of flipping your list. So Jesus is in the temple. And he's hanging out. Uh, it's kind of like some of the guys, that, there are ushers that kind of hang out in the back of the church, make sure everything's going okay, and make sure nobody runs out screaming, you know, or anything like that. And, and so Jesus was back with a couple of the disciples, and maybe he was back there with a couple of the Pharisees too. Maybe he's back there with uh, Nick and Joe, right, from Easter. So Jesus back there. Maybe that day he was on the list to be an usher. I don't know. But anyway, Jesus back there with a couple of the disciples and Nick and Joe, and they're listening and they're watching, and it's time for the offering. And uh, the offering is always a wonderful time in the temple because these amazing religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, and some of the others, they had these amazing ornate robes that they wore, and they had these beautiful phylacteries, and they had these, this headgear, and they were amazing and expensive. And they would come forward for the offering, and they would have this copper uh, a, a bowl. Actually, it wasn't a bowl. It was like a, like a cistern almost. And they have this copper uh, thing, and they would come up and they would have a, a bag of, 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 of silver or a bag of gold, and they would slowly pour their gold, and you could hear it ringing and wrangling and clanking and clinging, and everybody go, oh, man, bless their hearts. You know, that's what they say in the South, whenever you don't know what to say, you know, bless their hearts. You know? and, and, oh, wow, look at how much money, and oh, wow, they must be so religious. And Jesus is going, are you kidding? That's nothing, to, that's pocket change to them. Jesus said, it's nice that they did that, but... Eh, don't get too excited about that. And then Jesus is standing back there with the other guys. And, and then uh, up the center of the aisle comes this, uh, this older woman. And she's kind of bent. Uh, I don't know if they had walkers in those days, but maybe a cane and silver hair. And obviously from her clothes, <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't have very much money. Her clothes were pretty ragged and pretty soiled. And as she comes walking slowly up and she comes up to this copper thing and as she drops something in there, it didn't make any noise because the smallest coin in the days of Jesus were uh, these little wooden coins. It made no noise, like balsa wood, you know. You know it doesn't make noise like gold or silver or, or copper, you know. But, so she dropped it, no noise whatsoever. And Jesus is back there and he says, hey guys, did you just see what I saw? And they said, yeah, man, the Pharisees, they looked awesome. And look how much money they gave. I think we're going to have a good, uh, a good offering this weekend. It's pretty awesome. She said, no, 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 no. You missed it. No. Did you just see what I just saw? Look up there. That, that little old woman with the gray hair. It's all bent over. You know, all in raggedy clothes. Did you see what I just saw? They said, no, what happened? He said, she gave everything. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, isn't it incredible? And she, she, is, such, she is so blessed by God. She's such an amazing person. I can't believe that somebody would do that. Give everything, everything but the clothes on your back, give that to God. He said, this is the most amazing woman in the world. And I don't even know what to say, except she's incredible. And the disciples and Nick and Jorgon, what? what? What just happened there? And then this is what Jesus said in Mark twelve forty three, Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. She flipped the list. It wasn't, number one, me. 
Number two, me. Number three, we. Number four, me. Number five, God. But in her case, number one was God. See, we're not talking about equal giving. I would never encourage our people to give equally. I don't think that's right. What the Bible talks about, priority giving, what the Bible talks about is equal sacrifice. What if every Christian gave like that widow gave? The average American, men, women, and children, the average American owes $1,500 in credit card debt. Okay, so if you're a family of four, even though your kids uh, don't do the spending, are, are you going, are you crazy doing? They do all the spending. Uh, no, let's say, so in your family of four, the average family of four, $6,000. I'm not talking about mortgage, not talking about a car payment. $6,000 credit card debt. What would happen? Not even, let's say, some, no, everybody else in the world ignored this message from God, this priority message from God. What would happen if just our church, a church of 500 people, just our church alone, instead of having all that credit card debt, would give that money to the ministry of the poor and the church and, minist- and missionaries and like that. Do you know how much money that would be? Three quarters of a million dollars. Just our church. Instead of giving to Visa and MasterCard, God bless them. <laughs> instead of giving to them, we give to God three quarters of a million dollars. God says, you know what? I love you. I'm going to always love you. That's not going to change. I'm going to do everything I can to press into you and bless you. But when you open those doors to me, when you say, come in to my life, to every part of my life, even my wallet, Lord, come. When you say that, God says, you won't even begin to believe or understand how I can bless you. Open your arms. Open the doors. Not number five. Number one. So, would you be willing, as we close this morning, would you be willing, as one individual or one family, would you be willing to consider what it would mean in your life to flip the list? Instead of making God number five, and then praying God help me, making God number one. What could God do in your life as you open up the doors of his blessings to you, if you simply... Or to flip the list. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we, um, it's obvious that we love you. Um, many of us here this morning believe in you. We've trusted you as our Lord and Savior. Uh, we've sacrificed. We have given our lives to you. We've surrendered our lives, our addictions, our pain, our past, our sins. We've done all this to you. But for so many of us, there's always this sense that um, we've got to take care of ourselves first. There's always this sense that it's about me, me, we, me. And then if there's anything left over, God and others. And Lord, your clear call through Malachi chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 6, your clear call is this. Reprioritize. Flip the list. Instead of God being number five, how about God being number one? And Father, as we open our hearts to the possibility of what you would do in our lives in this way, you are ready to literally rush in 
and deliver blessings that we can't even fully understand. You want us to live abundantly. And you've called us to literally open up our hearts, our pocketbooks, our lives to you. To flip the list. And in so doing, Father, we welcome Jesus Christ into number one position in our lives. Body, soul, and spirit. Father, I pray this for myself and I pray this for every person in this church today. That you would help us by faith to do whatever we need to do to go home, to look at our finances, and to flip the list. To the glory of God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen.